0: Good afternoon and welcome to episode four of Matushka's Right Peg. Today in the studio we've got uh, Kyle as usual, Mark and Andrew, and also again we've got uh, Baz returning. So, uh, strong performance last time, so we've uh, expanded the squad. Look forward to uh, hearing everyone's views. It's, uh, it's a pretty good feeling to have the first win under our belts during the lockdown, uh, the, the Ghost Games. So I will uh, I will pass over to Cherry because I don't think we've talked about the Schalke draw yet. But uh, what what are your thoughts on the last couple of games
1: that we've had? Good. Most of all, it's been good to see us playing positively, pushing a bit higher up the pitch to, to try and get the ball back and just showing a bit more intent than than we'd shown. Um, obviously, against Mainz at home, we had the red card. So that was a bit of an outlier. But generally, we hadn't been too positive in in the game since the restart. Uh, Schalke was, again, a team that were low on confidence, and I think we knew that. We pushed high. We made them make mistakes quite a lot. Um, In the first half, probably had three or four decent chances to to wrap it up. Um, We should have won it, really. We really should have done. Uh, Then yesterday in in Cologne, same story. We were really positive first 20 minutes on the front foot. and Slight change in system. We went back four yesterday. Uh, I think last week against Schalke, we went with two strikers, Ujar and Anderson up top. And again, that worked really well. Just a a little bit of a a tweak because, like I think I've said before, teams sort of sussed us out a little bit tactically and we were a bit one-dimensional. In the last two games, we've shown that we can adapt and that we've got the players to do that. Uh, But yeah, above all, just really good to see us out there trying to win games, creating chances, not just sitting back, soaking up pressure and, and trying to hit teams on the counter. So it was really good, really positive. Yeah, it's almost as if uh, Fisher
0: has been listening to the, uh, the podcast because we, we did sort of highlight, as you say, the, the one dimensional nature sometimes and had we been found out. Mark, what was your take on the, uh, the last
2: couple of games? Uh, well, actually in terms of the sort of ultimate performance, I would say we got a point against Schalke. We got three points yesterday, thank God, against uh, Cologne. It uh, could have easily been anything there from six points to, 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 to none or one, I think. It, it really is uh, fine margins at the moment uh, in our performance. Uh, like, as, as Cherry said, the, the, the Schalke game, how, how we weren't two, three goals up there and over the hill and far away against Schalke, I'll, I'll never know. But that's what, we've kept saying every week on the podcast it's a confidence thing it's a confidence thing and um, unfortunately you just knew that um, Schalke would hit a a shot out of nowhere and it went in unfortunately Uh, so I was happy with the point against Schalke but we really needed to win yesterday and that's where as, uh, as as Cherry said once again, the the whole the, the new lineup and the new tactics and everything really came home to roost. Uh, playing the narrower back four there, it gave Cologne the wings, uh, and their initial lineup wasn't really set up to exploit that. Uh, meanwhile, the, putting the third midfielder across the middle, it eliminated the hole between the the midfield and the defence. And Fisher obviously saw that. Cologne utilized this to great effect versus Hertha. All of their all of their goals against Hertha came from exactly that. Then, of course, at halftime, he brought Leissner on, and everything went to three at the back, two wingers as well. And that's where we started having problems. the 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 two wingers started coming into that more, started pushing us back more. And then, out of nothing, Gentner pops up uh, with with the second goal. Then we bring on uh, bring on uh, Hübner, like make it all tight at the back. And apart from that the dodgy pass from Felix, yeah, well-deserved, I would say. But like I said, ultimately, there was a bit of luck there as well. Their, the, the Cologne goal, typical defending, four defenders, one one Cologne attacker, and he managed to score. Uh, and if things went really, really stupidly, um, we could have seen a 93rd-minute penalty. I mean, it, I don't think it was a penalty. I also don't think ours was either, but I've seen him given. That's all I can say. But ultimately... Massive relief, massive, massive, massive relief. Yeah, I do think there's a, there's a palpable
0: feel when we were chatting at the start. Everyone's just like a bit of a foof, okay, we're, we're kind of, we're pretty much there. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly not saying, uh, saying we're completely safe, but I'm pretty confident and uh, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what everyone else thinks on that. Are we, uh, are we counting chickens yet or not? Um, before I pass over to Timmers for, uh, Baz, for your views on the last couple of games just been having to think about the people who actually came into our squad because we, we did have a, a lot of, uh, a lot of, we made a lot of signings during last summer and you look at someone like Gentner who came in uh, on, a, on a free transfer from, from Stuttgart, one of the relegated sides and also just looking at some of the other places where we picked up people, um, Augsburg, Mainz, all all teams where we've got people uh, like Friedrich or Ujar who are, are decent players and are playing very well for us but maybe... In, in other teams, they've, uh, they've struggled. You know, it would be, uh, be interesting to see uh, people's thoughts on, on the new signings, who, who's been your favourite, etc. But uh, as I say, be, before we do all that, let's, uh, let's go across to Bas, Bas. What's your thoughts?
3: Well, a massive sigh of relief here um, as well yesterday at 5.30pm local time. Um, I'm really curious about the atmosphere within the team because I was really impressed already at the Schalke game, but also before the Cologne game how much confidence they seemed to to have. Nobody seemed to really panic. We went for it against Shark, who we were a bit unlucky. I agree with Mark that yesterday we were lucky because especially in the first 15 minutes of the second half we could and should have conceded. But yeah, really happy with the the vibe of the team and and that nobody was really, really panicking. Um, so I, I actually consider ourselves to be completely 100% safe. There's, there's, there's not 1% of doubt um, that this is going wrong um, in the end. The only thing that worried me yesterday was um, Mark called it Felix Dodgy Pass. In, in Holland, we used to call it a Frank de Boer moment, which was his lapse of concentration, which he always had, regardless of whether it was the semi final of a World Cup or playing in... A midweek cup game uh, at Camburi he was very consistent about that. We're unfortunately also quite consistent uh, with making mistakes like that. Not as many as we made against um, Hertha, for instance. Uh, but as Mark said, if things have would have really gone against us yesterday, then we would have conceded two goals in the last two minutes. And what Felix was doing was almost unforgivable because there wasn't even pressure on the ball and he managed to almost immediately give it straight to the, um, to the opponent. But apart from that, um impressed actually with, with yesterday and, and the four points out of the last two games.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I, I thought we actually looked quite sharp in, in those first 20 minutes. And it's almost as if it's taken us a few games to get back to that kind of full level of, of fitness as well. Kyle, what was your take on on yesterday's performance and, and obviously the Schalke game as well?
4: um definitely the best we've played in a long time uh like what was it frankfurt the last time we won um <laughs> it's been a long time uh been a long time but yeah a really really complete performance against cologne by the the last if we take the last 4 minutes out of it i thought we were quite good um outrunning cologne by like nearly 10 kilometers as well was like massive great goal from Gentner. friedrich popping up with uh, with the header as well was really good and against Schalke yeah how we how we didn't win that one is something that I'm still like i still thinking like a week later like how how did we not get three points from that because I had some choice words about Schalke before uh, I'm glad that was proved right because uh, that could have been some egg in the face yeah uh how we didn't win that one I don't know crack and gold from John Joe Kenny but uh, it was also great to see Andrish score finally in the Bundesliga because uh, he's been I don't know if you would say underrated but uh, like I don't think he's getting the credit that he's maybe due this season because uh, he's been absolutely superb and it's great to see him get a, get a reward for that
0: yeah absolutely the uh, the man that we uh, that we signed from from Heidenheim for I think it was a uh, it's only a million definitely one of the underrated players uh, I really like Andrik Think he's a quality quality addition. Maybe we can come later on as well to uh, to look at maybe the uh, the second Bundesliga because I know there's some, uh, some some big big games coming up there. And now now I think that we've pretty much secured our uh, our status in the top flight. We can also look and see who potentially will be coming up to uh, to to join us. Obviously, we've got Paderborn on, on Tuesday, which uh, after their 5-1 drubbing, they will they will potentially be relegated uh, today. You, they may be relegated by the time many people listen to this podcast, but uh, but we'll certainly have the potential to put them to the sword. And I think uh, we'll we'll all want to see the, the the kind of as you say the, the the attacking intent that has certainly been there against Schalke. We should have been three up in in 25 minutes. And then yesterday, I thought uh, we again showed maybe uh, a bit more a bit more cunning with our tactics and. Let's let's see if if Ujar was maybe rested. I don't know if uh, if he was rested yesterday with with one eye on the uh, the Tuesday night game as well. Maybe we'll be back to to him up front partnering uh, Anderson. I don't know. Anyone else got any any thoughts on uh, any of those issues that I've I've mentioned and want to want to come in?
4: Yeah, just on the penalty shouts. Uh, I've spent a bit of time trying to understand the handball rules because. Uh, After the games yesterday, I watched the sports show and seen various handball incidents over the weekend. Like there was one in the in the Hoffenheim game, uh, and one uh, there was two in uh, one of the other games as well. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I I don't think I understand it. Like even the Dortmund one, where uh, that would have been a goal if the rules that were meant to come into play on the first of June were brought into play, uh, because it hit the top of uh, Guerrero's shoulder. It, this seems to be an element of inconsistency, and that's uh that's a bit frustrating, uh, and it's a bit hard to understand. And then Hubner at the end, that was uh, that was sketchy. I, I I would say probably more of a more of a shout for a foul than, for example, Boyata's second yellow yesterday in the Hertha game. But um, look, it was about time we got a bit of luck, <laughs> to put it that way.
0: Yeah, I think we uh, we 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 got a bit of luck that maybe we deserved, and I think yeah, I I was pretty pleased to to see both penalties not given. I think uh, the one that we claimed for, obviously, uh, well, it was given. I don't think there was a, a massive appeal, um, not certainly by all of the players. I think uh, it clearly it clearly connected with his uh, with his hand, but uh, he was so near that I just don't know how anyone could have got out of the way, and I don't think there was a huge movement to try and actually block it. I think it just it was a certainly a
3: case of ball to hand. I'm always surprised that um, the authorities managed to make such a mess of the handball rule, actually. Uh, I think the VAR thing has has kind of found its place in German football after the first year, which was really difficult, but you can see that they are more restrained in correcting mistakes. So I think in general, it's been a pretty good season for that. But this whole handball thing has been made so complicated during the game yesterday as well like you're saying this was a matter of ball going to hand and not the other way around and for me if it's not a deliberate handball or you're taking really huge advantage of it you know you're being shot at, but it's you're standing on the goal line and you're preventing a goal intentionally or unintentionally in all other cases let the game flow and now it's way too complicated nobody understands it um, um, anymore and it's Time to change it again.
0: Yeah, you're in, uh, you're in difficulties when nobody uh, understands the rules and we're having to kind of understand what they, what they are. And, and good luck, Kyle, on trying to find out what the, uh, what the latest rulings are. Um,
2: Mark, what were, your, uh, what were your thoughts? The problem I have with uh, VR, um, essentially, I think eliminating the howler is not the worst thing in the whole wide world uh, and everything. It, it, it's good online decisions, I think. It's good on clear errors, I think, but where the boundaries blur, that's where we get into that's where we get into problems. It's, to me, it's all about the the time taken to make a decision, and the perception of the of the officials. How competent do they look? That's I think the two the two issues that we saw yesterday, especially in the game. I don't know if Kyle means the the Wolfsburg game, um, but let just for anyone who hasn't seen this, um, the ball came in. Their striker, Veghorst, he headed it against the bar. The ball comes back out, other guy comes in, puts it in. Gives a goal as well. That was, that was, the, that was the decision. A goal is given. Then they check on VAR. They find out that the striker is ahead of the, head, ahead of the guy heading it. Therefore, it's offside. So, OK, it's an offside, free kick to the, free kick to the defending team. But then the defender... The, the attacker, the Vekos, he is then uh, bandaged up because he's been kicked in the face doing the header. So they look at the, um, they look at once again during this thing, and then and then they work out, oh, he's been kicked in the face. That's a dangerous play. Therefore, it's actually a penalty, which is then scored. So we've gone from allowed goal to disallowed goal to penalty to goal and all of that took i'm not quite sure how it took because i only saw the uh the, the summary but minutes minutes it took that this is the problem that i have with vr ultimately it came to the correct decision if you look at it like that but uh it just kills it it just kills the game it, incidentally if if um anyone is uh, keen on seeing a, a german documentary about this i know this is an english podcast and everything like this there is one online about dennis itakin the the fifa referee i do highly recommend that to see how how the whole vr system works uh it's a very good watch if you can understand if you can get like an automatic subtitle program on it or something along those lines do highly recommend it well, that's an interesting one mark i'll uh i'll certainly look that one up and we'll make sure that we
0: share the link on uh on social media, I know that a lot of our listeners are learning German, so I think it's always good to uh, to watch these type of things that are that are very interesting. And yeah, I think um, when you talk about killing the game, I mean, we were watching on Zoom yesterday, and obviously, it takes what about three or four minutes for the referee to to overrule his original decision. Uh, when you're in the stadium, uh, I mean, I'm I'm not averse to being in the stadium for a bit longer, but those moments where you, you lose that ebb and flow of the game and you, everyone's just standing around chatting uh, or, or having a chant or whatever. Um, it, it isn't great. And they, they do need to work out how to spend probably less time. Um, I don't think anyone wants... It's almost we're trying to strive for perfection now. And I think it's, as you say, we, it need, VAR needs to be used when, it's, uh, when it is one of these massive decisions. Cherry, what, uh, what are your thoughts on, on penalties, VAR, and all of these issues?
1: Um, I'd just like to point out that none of us can have anything negative to say about VAR. Because I think I may, I may know the, where this one's going. We would not be in the Bundesliga without it, that's just straight up. <laughs> but we are allowed to offer some sort of constructive criticism as to how to improve the system. Um, I think Baz probably nailed, nailed it on the head with, uh, it, it's so complicated now that for your average fan watching at home, you just you, and the rules are changing so often. Like we, like Carl said, there was this rule change from June the first with the handball, which obviously, if if the season had played out as it should have done, then you know this new rule would be in place now, and and Dortmund's goal yesterday would have been allowed, which it should have done, in, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, essentially, I think it's a communication problem from from the authorities and and the people who are actually rewriting the rules and changing them because it's down to then the commentators to explain, you know, this this rule has changed and this is why that, that decision has been made. But, you know, your average football fan isn't following, I don't know whether they've got a section on the website where they release a 74-page PDF explaining the rule change or something like that. But, you know, it just it just doesn't, it's not communicated very well. And VAR as a concept is right. And it's often the law itself that causes the controversy um, that, you know, I think it was with our penalty shout yesterday. The debate was how far is his hand from his body, uh, the movement of the arm, and everything like that. All of that ties into how complica- how complicated the the rule itself is. So, um, yeah, uh, again, it's 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 a mess. It's getting better, but you would have thought by this stage, where we are now, we've had it in place for a couple of years. You would have expected to. To see it improve a little bit more than it has done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you would expect it to be uh, to be much better than it is. Anyway, as you say, uh, long live VAR, hail VAR. We are in the Bundesliga top flight. I think we're uh, all pretty happy with uh, that decision that we got uh, in that rele- relegation game. Just having to think about the players that have, have come in. So I mean, um, it's it's a fairly lengthy list. I'm not going to name all of the signings, but we were we were in double figures it's no mean feat to be able to bring in that many players and I think have such a successful season. So, I mean, looking at the types of people who've come in, so we've Friedrich, um, Ujar, ing Andrik, um, Schlotterbeck on loan, um, uh, obviously our man who hasn't featured uh, really, uh, Mr Subotic, he hasn't, uh, hasn't really had a look in the last couple. Um, don't think I've mentioned all of them, but... Um, Certainly, certainly uh, a number of signings that we've made. Who do do you think uh, has has done the best, Mark,
2: out of all of those? Um, I think who's done the best out of all of those, I think, has been Oliver Roonat, personally. It's enormously, enormously important what he does. It's enormous the connections that he has. Um, When you look back at the signings that you you just done, and I'm not going to list them either because there's a huge amount of them. We... Instinctively, I think I know I did. I don't know how everyone, but we we saw Subotic, Ujic, uh, uh, possibly Becker in terms of in terms of potential. They were seen as to me as the king, the the, the main transfers of the of last year. Maybe even Mali as well as a loan halfway through. But those were seen as the big names kind of thing. And and like Berter announced, Andrich announced, Ingvartsen announced, and everything. Everyone was like. Yeah, OK, uh, let's look at the Wikipedia entries for those guys, because I have absolutely no idea. And those were the players, those were the players that um, that, have really, that have really made their mark, uh, especially just, to, just like in for example, like this. Incredible potential, was the top scorer, I think in, in Norway, I think he was the top scorer. Went to Genk for a lot of money. Started off well and then was more or less permanently injured. A mate of mine who's who's uh, from Belgium, he said, oh, you don't know what you've got into there and everything. He'll probably be on the treatment table the whole time. And and actually, he blows hot and cold. But I've been really, really impressed with Ingradsen this, this year. He's been one of the top performers for me, in addition to... Uh, a lot of other like potential players you have to remember i think that a lot of these signings were also made with an eye on staying in the second league i think that like i don't think that flecker for example flecker or kada i don't think they would have come to union i think ordinarily Uh, they were they were planned for the for the second league in my opinion but let's see what happens Oliver Roonert, all hail Oliver Roonert. We need him to work his magic this year, this, uh, this close season. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Thank you, Mark, for
0: picking probably one of the few that I didn't mention. Very nice of you. Baz, can I pass over to you now?
3: Totally agree with Mark. All hail to Oliver Roonert. I just had a look at the long list, so I think we all can agree that he hedged his bets, I think you, uh, you, you call it in English. Um, but I think he's got a pretty decent score. I think one model that has worked really well for us is to get talented people on loan because I think that's how it started with Friedrich um, as well one year ago. Mark, you didn't mention Kevin Slotterbeck. Um That was for me the most exciting signing when I heard of it last summer because I heard so many good things uh, about him in Freiburg and that he never really had a chance to develop because he didn't, he didn't play enough. He has been for me the... Outstanding defender uh, in our central defense all year. Incredible how quickly he picked up from the second game where he got a stupid red card in Augsburg. He's been like um, our bedrock defensively in our build up as well. Uh, I think that's what he's been appreciated for by um, by most um, coaches uh, inside and outside of Onion, uh, actually. Robert Andrich stabilizing force as well um highly appreciated within union um so all in all i think we had a we had a pretty good score the main task for me for Rulert for next year will be that he at least has to um has to sign slaughterback um indefinitely obviously um to our club um and then there's um a couple of other works in progress i think indeed
0: indeed um about yeah, another, another very good loan signing. Um, diff- difficult to see what, what will Freiburg do. I mean, he's only 22 and he's, he's proved himself to be very good. Will, will they want to keep him and, and see if he uh, slots in there? I don't know. Cherry, any thoughts on the, uh, the, the signings that we made l- last year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I fully agree with Hale to Oliver Roonat. He's done a great job. But at the same time, it, he's, it's not been a dramatic, departure from the sort of policy the club has had for the last five years or so the signings that we've made we've always had this policy of either bringing in players from top division clubs who perhaps weren't quite making the grade bringing players on loan so I'm thinking back to Poulter um, back in 2014 or then bringing players in from the third and second division who perhaps a little bit off the radar but the scouting system have seen something in them um You know, it's always been the the way of the club to to build that way. So it's not a huge departure, but I think the standing that Runa has in the game has just meant that we could bring in slightly higher calibre players or that, you know, we could beat off competition to players where we're in a better position there than we were before. Um, But yeah, in general, I think totally agree with everything that's been said about those signings. There's always the odd strange signing at Onion. i I'm thinking back to, you know, Nabihi, the lad, the Egyptian lad that we had in for a while and played a friendly or two and never got, I can't even remember his name, but and then I think in this squad, you've got players, I think Flecker was on the bench yesterday. We've not seen much of him um, and, and Kader as well, but yeah, generally it's it's, you know, it's a continuation for me of what the club has been building for the last five, six years already.
0: Yeah I mean there hasn't been that kind of uh, sort of big signing spending 10 million on someone it's been a lot of uh, a lot of people coming in and yeah I think uh, as you say Cherry, kind of continuing that onion uh, ethos of uh, those kind of hard working type players Kyle any thoughts on the uh, on the new signings
4: Yeah like a lot of, a lot of faces come in during the summer and then uh, Mali in and winter and I think Mali's probably, like especially since the restart has been a bit of a disappointment. Like yesterday, he was pretty absent uh, throughout the game. But overall, a lot of the signings have been superb. Uh, I agree with Baz. is we, that has to be top priority. He's been superb, like Friedrich was last season. It um, would be great to, to see Schlauterbeck stay, but I don't know if Freiburg will if they're planning with him in the future, especially with his brother in central defence as well, Nico. I'd love to keep him, uh, and I'll be hopeful, but uh, we'll see. Outside of that, you've got, yeah, Andrush being superb. builder, of course, with, uh, with some cracking goals and some important goals. And then, yeah, Ingvartsen, he's a great, like, a defensive striker, if that makes sense. He's really good at pressing... Uh, Pressing defences and putting that pressure on to make mistakes. And he's shown that he can kind of score a nice goal as well when, uh, when he's given the opportunity. So yeah, Ingvartsen was a, a really, really good find there as well.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, again with Ingvartsen, we've certainly got time on our side with that one because he's, uh, he's only 23. Baz, uh, Becker uh, was, was obviously someone who came in on a, on a free.
3: Uh, did you know much about him? Not at all my Dutch friends started sending me messages last summer that, you know, the guy that just exploded only in the previous season at, uh, Ado Den Haag was being transferred to, uh, to Union. He hadn't been that successful in the years before that, uh, apparently, but I had never heard of, uh, of the guy and before jumping to conclusions, but he's been injured so many times. And I've always learned that, um, if you've, If you're injured almost all of the time, then usually you're really struggling to keep up with the required level. So he might just be not good enough for us. Um, I mean, that's my general impression until now. Even when he was fit, he wasn't even in the squad most of the times. So that's one of the players that um, I think we're going to say goodbye um, um, to. Or maybe they're going to give him one more chance. But there are, with him and, and some other oldies like... Kroos and Schmiedebach, um, it will probably be difficult for them to stay for longer than this season.
0: Yeah, Schmiedebach's an interesting one. Uh, he's, he's 30, so as you say, he's, uh, he's a bit older than some of those others that are kind of around a much nicer age, kind of 23,
2: 24. Mark, any thoughts? I think the problem with Becker is is that uh, we don't play the system that he's, that he would thrive in, personally. We've always played um we've always played quite narrow um in, in uh, it, up front, I think, and the the problem with Becker is he's he's Im- immensely fast. he's the fastest at the club by a long way. I think I even saw a kicker article where they rated the fastest players in the Bundesliga, and I think he was the sixth fastest player in the Bundesliga, or something along those lines. He runs about 39 km high, or something stupid. I, I, I can't remember it. But he got, he, he's a quick... The, the only slight problem is is that you have to also you take the ball with you. And that seems to be the, uh, the, the main problem with, um, with, uh, with Becker. He seems to be very much a head-down-and-run uh, sort of guy. And unfortunately, we don't play according to that system.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a very good point about the system. Uh, did a did a quick scan as you were talking, and he is indeed the the eighth fastest player in the Bundesliga, the uh, the fastest at Union by by a country mile.
1: So, uh, Cherry, any any thoughts on on that? Yeah, just talking about systems and going back to what Carl said about um, Eunice Mali being disappointing. I think the last two games, the the change of formation were actually an attempt to sort of accommodate Marley a bit better. Uh, last week against Schalke, he was sort of roaming in the number 10 in, in behind two strikers. This week, he played a bit deeper in, in a midfield three, trying to just pick up the ball and influence the game. And I think these two games were his chance to really put a stamp on and, and influence things and show the sort of player that we thought we were bringing in, uh, which was a bit of a sort of Marcel Hartel kind of player who can float around pick the ball up change the game and make things happen we've not really seen that from Marley he's been steady uh, nothing spectacular nothing particularly wrong either but he's not been the player that we were expecting and he's not been the player that we we wanted to bring in so when we're looking at next season as well I think I can't see him staying and I think that will be a priority as we go into that second season is having that player who can who has the quality to change games and really turn things around when we need it and, and make something happen.
2: Um, I think we, we did something similar last year as well. We, uh, we brought Mane in um, uh, with, with the hope that he was giving, going to give us this like X-factor kind of thing for the second half of the season. I, I saw that very similar to, to, to the Mali signing. Different sort of player, of course. Mali, um, Mali is, uh, is, is, is certainly has tricks. everything but he's more the midfield dominator playmaker like um, whereas Mane was the sort of the luxury player uh, last year Um, but obviously like in in the same way as it happened last year it unfortunately hasn't worked out which is which is a shame really because I I do have a lot of time for Mali as a player he's he's a very he's a very skillful player and we've seen as Cherry said uh, some some potential in the last two games but uh, it's already been announced now uh, in, in in the in, in the press, not officially from Unión, of course, but it's already been announced in the press. I think even Runet's com- uh, confirmed it that he'll be going back uh, at the end of the season as planned, which is uh, which is a shame. I, I wonder where he'll end up next season. Obviously, it depends on uh, how
0: you how you're viewing things. But some people are sort of saying, "Well, we're uh, we're safe now. Let's uh, let's uh, let's party." Uh, I'm not sure if Kyle subscribes to that view, but I'll I'll bring him in for uh, for his views on uh, on the rest of the season, where we might finish. Obviously, it's fairly lucrative if you can edge up a few places. That could be worth millions. And obviously, the the second Bundesliga, we've got one eye on the uh, division below to see who who might come up. Some big games coming up there as well. Kyle, what are your uh, what are your thoughts on this one?
4: I I, I don't like uh, counting my chickens before they hatch. Uh, so. I won't say we're safe until we're safe, when, whenever that is. If if that's three points on Wednesday night against Paderborn, or Tuesday night, sorry, against Paderborn, then great. Yeah, I'll celebrate. I'll I'll go. I'm, I've got a bottle of champagne in the kitchen. I might crack that open, you know, and celebrate the the class their as it's uh, referred to in Germany. But yeah, uh, the the race at the bottom is still going to be quite interesting. Like Bremen have had a nice wee run and looked really good against Paderborn yesterday. If they can managed to stay up that'd be an incredible feat for for Florian Kufelt to to keep the team up and with the way the fixtures are going they've got a chance Bremen fans are wanting us to get a result against Fortuna on the last day and as you mentioned as much as that may help Bremen that may help us in terms of building the, the team stronger next season like that could be the difference of a multiples of millions of euro be quite important especially given we know that the we're not the most well-off clubs and this uh, the corona crisis is going to have hit us as hard as much, as much as the club can say that, yes, they're safe and that. Um, if we want to kind of build and consolidate next season, especially if we look, look to the second division, and there is the potential that HSV and Stuttgart, two massive clubs, do come up, I'd like to hope not because I'd like to see Heidenheim sneak in. That'd be that'd be pretty cool. And Bielefeld are, are pretty close to, to winning the league as well. But... um any any more points to kind of help us build up the table would be would be quite important and we we want to we want to stay in this league we want to consolidate our position and kind of grow and it'd be the better we can finish in the table then the better that, uh, the easier that becomes
0: yeah absolutely and uh, what are, what are your thoughts on us finishing above Hertha
4: yeah um it's possible i guess um i don't, like well Hertha were, like I watched parts of their game, uh, like bouncing through when goals were scored, and then watching sports show. And their defending was comical. I know they lost Boyata to the the most ridiculous VAR decision uh, I I've seen in a long time. But um, yeah, they 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 did not look good. And that and that's Frankfurt, like a, a team that are around the same sort of area in the table. Um. They're they're running. They've got Freiburg uh, midweek who are in the in the hunt for a European spot. I think they're one point behind Hoffenheim in seventh and with the way the cup is run, seventh is now a European spot. But yeah, they then they've got Leverkusen and uh, at home uh, and on the last match day they've got Gladbach away. So they've got a tough run in. If we could win above them, um I think that makes us Stadtmeister again. I don't know about you.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I think I think uh, Werder Bremen have got a obviously a, a, a very very tricky home match on Tuesday night at the same time as we're playing Paderborn. They've uh, they're, they're hosting Bayern Munich, but then there are other games where they're going away to Mainz and then at home to Cologne. They're they're two eminently winnable games for Werder Bremen. So I, I would really, on a personal level, like to see uh, like to see them stop up for sure. Mark, what are your thoughts on all of this?
2: Um, well, I think it, it'll be a shame. I know there's no, the, you have to you have to do it. Unfortunately, we have to win on Tuesday as well, especially to make ourselves uh, safe as well. It would be a shame to relegate Baumgart, uh, Stefan Baumgart, like um, because he is such a big part of the recent Union history. His wife is the head of the uh, the, the the fan shop as well. Still, we still got a m- massive. Um, uh, standing at Union and if we're going to have to do it then we're going to have to do it it would be a shame to relegate him on, on Tuesday apart from the apart from the others like I don't really care who goes down from league from from the Bundesliga and everything I'd like to see Werder Bremen stay in uh, because um, I've visited Werder Bremen a few times and I've also been uh at the, in their fan house as well and they are they're a good bunch they're a good bunch of lads the the, the Werder guys which is uh con- in contrast to like the D- uh, Dusseldorf for example Dusseldorf was always a, a topic in the 2000s that uh, there were a bunch of actors and play actors and whinges and there was also stress between the two sets of fans as well there was cases of uh, scarves and 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 stuff getting nicked and everything like the good old days, uh, especially when we played that season up at the uh, up at the yarn Park, even as far as that. So even then, ideal would be personally Paderborn go down, unfortunately, but go down. Düsseldorf go down in 17th. Werder play in the playoff, and going up from League Two, Armenia Bielefeld with Uwe and Marcel Hartel at the at the helm. Heidenheim somehow managed to get second, and then Werder beat he, Werder beat Hamburg in the playoff. There you go. That would be that would be the ultimate, the ultimate troll face for German football. <laughs> and I would love it to see it. Love it. Love it. Love it.
0: Shades of Kevin Keegan there. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, Timmers, before I bring in Cherry, what have uh, what have you got to say on all of this?
3: Um, I would actually like both clubs to relegate, Düsseldorf and Bremen. Um, I agree with Mark that Bremen has a really sympathetic fan base. but And I have to applaud Flor- Florian Kofeld for what he did with Bremen in the previous season. But uh, this year, the team has just been really, really annoying. And if there has been one excruciating match at the Alta Versterae, it was the first home game against Werder Bremen where they started to act and scream for yellow and red cards and penalties from 15 seconds into the game and it just stayed like that for i think 98 minutes or something like that because we had so much injury time because of all of that and um for me they have been like what dusseldorf has always been as mark said a bunch of cheaters and a bunch of actors they've been that this year which isn't very classy because if you're going down then just go down with your head up but not in a dirty way like they have been doing um um, all year and dusseldorf um i think actually that they really picked it up after the winter break i don't think they have a really bad team but if there's one player that actually exemplifies what dusseldorf is doing for me it's eric tommy because he's a really really good player but he already starts to dive even if there isn't an opponent anywhere near um and that's basically that's their their default mode um so yeah i would like to see both clubs go down um, and who's going up obviously bielefeld um that's one um i don't think that heidenheim is a good idea i mean it sounds cool but i think it's really important for german football that both stuttgart uh, and hamburg in the end um are going up I also see Hamburg as the weaker of them as well. So I think we're by now we are much, much stronger than, uh, than they are. And one thing I'd like to mention is that I would really like Dresden to stay in the second league um, as well. I know we're looking far down now, but that is um, still a sleeping giant. And whatever you think of the city um, of Dresden, I mean, the football club is really one with a lot of history and a lot of support. Um, in the city and the entire region and I think it would be very good for the second league if the yellow ones um, stay in the second. Some uh, some
1: interesting, interesting points there. Cherry, over to you. I'm a bit like Mark on this in that I don't have much of a preference beyond decent away days and what the best away days would be which would obviously be Bremen and Dusseldorf over Mainz. That's the way I'd score this one. Um, realistically, I think Dusseldorf and Bremen have had, in the last few weeks, they've shown improvement. They've had good performances. Yesterday, obviously, Bremen at Paderborn blew them away. Dusseldorf gave Dortmund a very, very hard game. Should have won it. Um, a note on that that Steven Scribsky hit the post twice. Um, so they really could easily have won that one yesterday. So I think looking at the way Mainz have been in the last few weeks as well, Momentum plays a huge role in these last three games. Um, Obviously, you've got Dusseldorf and Bremen going tough games at at Bayern and and, uh, Ebi Leipzig. So, those last two games, if they could give Bayern and Leipzig a good game, maybe not take any points, but if they can, you know, not get battered, they'll have a lot of confidence going into the last two games. Um, Second division, again. When you look at away days, you take Stuttgart and, and Haas far over Heidenheim any day, but it would be hilarious if Heidenheim pipped them to second place. How funny would that be? That would be brilliant. Um, yeah, and like Baz said, with you know relegation from the second division, Nuremberger are down there. I don't think they're quite safe yet. They're looking in big trouble, and that would be a huge shock. Um, again, would be a shame because I have a little bit of, you know, respect for, for, for them it's a nice city nice place to go good fan base um, always been good games when they come to Onion as well so that would be quite a shock for them, for them to go down but yeah my prediction would be I think Mainz will get pipped probably end up in that relegation spot and I think Bremen will get safe before the end of the season and then Dusseldorf will go down automatically
0: very, uh, very, very interesting. And yeah, just thinking about, um, I'll go one one further than everyone else. I'll go into the third league, but mentioning those clubs that could be, could be relegated. You mentioned Nuremberg, uh, Cherry, Dresden, Bas. Uh, Lauten are already down there. I mean, uh, if you'd said a few years ago when, when came to our place and stuffed us 3-0, that they'd be languishing in the, in the third tier playing the likes of, uh, of Nuremberg, and, and we'd be in the top tier. Uh, I think the men in white coats would have been on the way because it would have seemed uh, a little fantastical. But uh certainly shows how quickly fortunes can change in football. Let's hope that uh Union can make some great signings. I've I've not really heard uh any rumors on signings, but I think that's uh that's probably something for for the for the next podcast. I know that Baz has been drawing up various lists. I, I won't divulge what they're about, but uh maybe we can we can have a discussion around those next time. Just uh, just before we, we make our predictions,
1: I will, uh, I'll bring you back in, Cherry. Okay, so uh, just one for our UK-based listeners, or anyone in fact, if you want to pay the postage. Um, I've just seen that this year's Away shirt is down to £40 on classic football shirts. Obviously, other purveyors of sporting goods are available, but I think that looks like a particularly good offer. Uh, 40 quid for this year's away shirt. So it seems that they've got a lot in stock so get out and buy that one. That is indeed a cracking deal.
0: Uh, if if uh, any uh, people would like to discuss sponsorship of the podcast, uh, they are more than welcome. Um, jokes aside, we're, we're, we're playing again on Tuesday night versus Paderborn. I'm, I'm, going, for a, I'm going for a 3-0 victory to unyon any, any, any advances on
4: 3-0? Bremen could beat them 5-1. Why not? Why not? Um, it, I, I know we were speaking about Baumgart's links to Paderborn and that. and Yeah, it's a shame they're going down, but there is a little part of me that remembers that photo of the Paderborn team after they got automatically promoted last season, all wearing Bochum shirts after Bochum stopped us going up automatically. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, maybe it's petty, but like, let's uh, drive it home. You know, a 5-0 or 6-0 would be nice, but yeah, we'll see. I went over the three points, get a safe. That, that's what matters.
0: Indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah, I was, I was at that Bockham game, and um, I think, like most football fans, you you have that huge disappointment, and uh, yeah, I, I share your, uh, your feelings on that one for sure. Mark, what, are you, what is your prediction for Tuesday night?
2: I think... Typically, Union-like, I think every time when people are, when we're predicted to do really, really, really well, we generally make a complete balls of it. Um, but I think we, we, I'd hope that the confidence is high there, especially in the defence as well, which is important, just as important as well is keeping is keeping it tight at the back as well. Um, I would say probably one nil, maybe may, may, maybe maybe two 0 But of greater importance, I think is what minute will Klaus giazula get his 18th yellow card? That's the most important uh, statistic for this. As we picked up yesterday, his 17th, I think it was, uh, yellow card of the season and is thus alone at the top of the yellow cards in Bundesliga history. Well done to that man. <laughs>
0: that, that is a, a very impressive statistic and I will look forward to playing the yellow card bingo with somebody else. Um, just before I bring, uh, bring Timmers in, Kyle, you've got something to add, I think.
4: Yeah, uh, an incredible thing about uh, Klaus gjulas uh, streak there is that with his 17 yellow cards so far this season, he hasn't managed to get sent off once, which is, that's some level of control. Not even Robert Andrus has managed that.
0: That, that is very impressive. Uh, Timmers, what's your thoughts for Tuesday?
3: That sounds something that Union can actually learn of because we got a shitload of uh, uh, yellow-red cards this season. Five, six, I don't know. We'll give you the answer in the next podcast. Um, I'm going for a 2-1 because um, I still don't see us keep a skip, uh, clean sheet. Um, and uh, although I really love Ginkiewicz, but I even love it better when he's going completely crazy uh, at his defense once he conceded again in the 88th minute. So.
0: Very good, very good.
1: Cherry, your thoughts on uh, on Tuesday night? 1-1, uh, one, one, I'm going to say. I think Paderborn, on a few occasions this season, have shown themselves to be quite dangerous. I, th- I remember they went to Dortmund and smashed three past them in the first half or something like that. And we don't like teams with pace on the break who can hurt us that way. So, yeah, I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet Like like Mark said. Um yeah, so we'll, we'll concede and I'm going to say we'll only stick one past them just because we don't seem to like playing against Paderborn. I remember uh, the, the season maybe six years ago when we were going for that third playoff spot, Paderborn came to our place and equalised in the last minute, I think. And that sort of, you know, the season went off the rails after that. Um, we just don't seem to like playing them. So I'm going to go for that 1-1.
0: Well, I think that wraps up the, uh, the pod nicely. Will we keep a clean sheet or not? Big, uh, big question for Tuesday night. It would be nice to, to keep our first, uh, first clean sheet of this, uh, the Ghost Games. Obviously, me and Kyle are on the, uh, the side of the maybe the slightly more optimistic with, uh, with Cherry uh, saying that we, we might only scrape a point. We'll, we'll find out on, on Tuesday when potentially we will make it mathematically certain uh, that Union will be in the top flight next year. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time.